your home of the Pens, WXDXFM, Pittsburgh. If the Steelers game on Sunday at Heinz Field against Atlanta isn't unique, it's at the least very unusual. Sports Illustrated picked these two teams to make the Super Bowl, but right now, each is in deep kimchi. The Steelers' defense stinks, but that was expected, even if perhaps not to this degree. But Atlanta's defense was supposed to be good and then lost some key personnel to serious injury, like Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen at safety, Deion Jones at linebacker. The list goes on and on. And by the way, speaking of injury... Julio Jones has been limited in practice this week. He is expected to play, and if the Steelers don't limit Jones on Sunday, it might be a long day. But here's an excoriating quote in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about the Falcons' defense. Quote, They don't have a single strength as a unit. Can't stop the run. Can't rush the passer. Can't bend but not break. Without the upper-level talent that is all sitting on injured reserve right now, The defense is getting exposed on every level. Unquote. Yikes. Not good. Hey, just like the Steelers did. Even the injury part applies if you go back to Ryan Shazier getting hurt. Okay, here's a weird stat with the Falcons. They're the first team to score 36 points in each of back-to-back losses since 1966. That's like the Steelers scoring 37 points against Kansas City not turning the ball over once, and still losing. That had to happen since 1940. Oh no, then the Falcons did it too. The defense for both Atlanta and Pittsburgh is historically bad. This game was supposed to be a Super Bowl preview. Now it's the last chance saloon. The winner probably won't make the playoffs. The loser definitely won't. Julio Jones versus AB is a great sidebar. Jones, like I said, has been limited in practice. A.B. just can't get in sync with Ben. Jones leads the NFL in receiving yards, so he's off to a much better start. It's a weird rivalry because 75% of the coaches in the league would take Jones over Brown. Jerry Dulek said that on this show. That's because Jones is 6'3", Brown is 5'10". Jones is the prototype. Brown is the exception to the rule and coaches will always pick the prototype. Fairies wear boots, and you've got to believe it. Uh, Fairies wear boots brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping to build the right way since 1956. You heard those numbers that I just quoted. What a weird effing game this is. That's the only way to describe it. When I looked at the schedule before the season, well, for one thing, I figured the Steelers would be 4-0. I figured the Falcons wouldn't be far behind. And I said, you know, this is going to be viewed as a legitimate Super Bowl preview. It's going to be the most ballyhooed game in the National Football League that week and maybe most of the year. Instead, everyone's saying about both teams, 
What the frig happened? I'm 4-0 against the spread picking Steelers games this year. The Steelers are favored by three, so I got to take the Falcons and the points. That's just the home team spread. Second week, the game's been a toss-up, but the visiting team's getting three points at Heinz Field, the visiting team uh, spread. In fact, not only do I take the Falcons and the points, I bet the Falcons win, period. I see just no sign of the Steelers regrouping and no evidence of a plan or adjustment. Although, like Craig Wolfley said, you got to keep doing what you're doing and just do it better. And I do see some wisdom in that. The Steelers stick to their plan for better or worse. It's often for better, but this time I just think it's going to be for worse. The over-under on this game is 57.5, which is the highest number in the league any game over under the highest number by four points. But still, it doesn't seem like enough, does it? The Atlanta defense is allowing an average of 30.5 points per game. And the Steelers defense is allowing an average of 29 points per game. That's a total of 59.5 points between the teams on average. And the over under is 57.5. I just think... Oh, wait, the line moved. It's now up to 58. Matt Ryan's going to rip that Steeler D apart. The Steeler defense has allowed already 12 passing touchdowns. This game is Ryan and Jones against Ben and AB. Made the better combination win. At least let's talk ourselves into that because that gives the Steelers the best chance. By the way, Ben is second in the NFL in passing yards. At 14-14. But that's partly because he's had to throw too much. We keep talking about history being made. Bad history. The Steelers rushing total of 19 yards last week. 19 yards in one game. That was the fifth lowest game total in franchise history. But I still don't want to bring back Le'Veon Bell. I still say trade Le'Veon Bell. What about Le'Veon? What's Bell going to do? Hey. I made it to the second hour of the show. I went 70 minutes before I brought up Lev Bell. Not too shabby. I just hope the Steelers don't fall behind big again in the fourth quarter like in the last three home games because that's been a killer every time. Okay, we got Kager, Mike, and the Egyptian Magician on hold. We'll get to them as soon as we come back from break. And we got Colby Armstrong at 530. Let's get back to hockey talk. Let's get back to 1-0 and and maybe not dwell as much on 1-2-1. and I'm Mark Madden, 105. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up, brother? Hey, double M. Well, I love Sally Wiggum, but not as much as soccer. I think it's the best thing I've almost ever heard. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. It's been quite a show today. Quite a game last night at PPG Paints Arena. By the way, if you got the early version, the first published version of the stats from last night's game, uh, Phil Spano, who coordinates the stats for the Penguins, left an assist to Gino off the stat sheet and an assist to Kessel off the stat sheet. Hopefully the right stat sheet got sent to the NHL office because you'd hate to see like Gino lose the scoring title by one point. This kind of thing happens all the time, these mistakes being made by, by Phil, who, nice guy, but not really very bright. And, you know, the people who work under him, well, they work under him. 
and he's a Nimrod. And that is all the people need to know. So uh, what I'm saying is Penguin stats are, are kept in very haphazard fashion. They don't use computers. They have like a like a one of those golf scorecard pencils like you used to get at Putt-Putt, and they just keep track of stuff on, on pencil and paper, like those little yellow mini pads. It's quite primitive. It really is. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. I enjoyed the Penguin game last night. I hope they play better defense. I hope Muzz picks it up a little bit, but I have no doubt he will, and he kept his eyes on the prize. He won the game anyway. Penguins got to pinch more advisedly. That turnover by Geno on the goal that sparked Washington's comeback was just, it's just something you don't do. You got to play scoring situation. You got to settle for winning. At that point, Geno should have just dumped the puck up the boards, got it out, got a change, repeat as necessary for what was it, about six minutes left when that rally started? They scored two goals, I think, in 21 seconds. That's what the stat sheet said, but who knows if it's true. But 1-0, you beat the Caps, you beat the defending champions. Everyone was entertained 7-6. It doesn't get more exciting. Your thoughts on the Penguin game? 4-1-2-3-3-3-WXDX. Uh, Philadelphia whooped Vegas at Vegas last night. I watched that game when I got home. The crowd didn't know what to do. They expected another storybook. Philly looked decent, it pains me very much to say. Montreal visits PPG Paints Arena tomorrow night. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Mark Bergevin, the former Penguin defenseman who's now the Habs GM. It's going to be a rough year for Montreal in all probability, but they still got Carey Price in goal. Maybe they can make something out of that. Uh, the Canadians might lose a lot, though, 3-2 two, and 2-1. Two, when you're relying on Drouin and Domi and Tatar, those are all young guys who haven't yet fulfilled their potential, and, and maybe they will. But will they all do it at once this year to keep Montreal competitive? I, I do like Domi, but Montreal might struggle. Let's go to, oh, man, this guy. Let's go to Kager and Shaler. Kager. You're on with Double M. Kager, you've been on hold for how long? Yeah, I've been on there about 30 minutes. I want to ask And now I'm hanging up on you. Thanks for the call. What a way to waste a half an hour of your life. Then again, he lives in Shaler, where they're all wasting their life 24 hours at a time every day. Let's go to Mike and Moon. Mike, you're on with Double M. What's up, Mark? What up? I was at the game last night, and I can't help but think that we'd be better off without Alimata. He's basically a turnover machine. Nah, that's point. just stupid. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He was their second or third best defenseman last year. He's so unreliable. And to judge by what? What do you mean? I just described to you why he's reliable. Every time he gets the puck, I just expect him to turn it. Every over. time he gets the puck, he turns it over. Every time. It, it, can that statistically be proven? Maybe. Maybe you read Phil Spano's stats. I don't know. And yesterday he fell in our zone in the second period. Yeah, sometimes people fall. So you want to judge by one game. Who would you put in there in this place? Well, I would want to try Ricola. Okay, so so let me see if I have this straight. They're both the same age. So you would put in the Finnish defenseman who's never played a game in the NHL. But we'll never know till we try. I need you to shut up and let an expert talk. Just just know your role, stay in your lane. All the cliches apply to a dope like you. You want to play the guy who's never played a game in his life in the NHL, and you want to bench the guy, same age, 
same country, who's a first-round pick, who has two rings, and was their third-best defenseman, no worse, last year. You want to do all that based on one game. I'm not basing it on one game. Well, no, if you're not basing it on, on, on one game, then you're wrong. Okay, so what has Ole done in the past that's been so bad? Well, he's always been slow. His always. Been average. All, his no, defense. no, you're just, bro, I couldn't tell you how wrong you are. And I'm tired of tolerating your foolishness. And I wish you were here so I could give you a rap in the mouth. Thank you for the call. Let's get out to a more reliable caller. He is Bob, the Egyptian magician. Hello, my friend. Ah. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Hey, Hello, I, I got a complaint before we go on. Your guy Salah is not scoring as many goals. I don't know. Maybe he's just depressed after Egypt didn't do good. That's a logical explanation, Bob. You caught me by surprise. Okay, what else you got? Well, by all due respect to last caller, Mora, he he is one of the essential part of our defense. No question. As far as, uh, you know, uh, football, okay, uh, when, when I saw Big Ben before starting, well, first of all, he promised that he's going to do a lot better. I hope he does. Uh, when I saw him in uh, preseason, uh, I saw 15 pounds or something. I mean, he was very, you know, the, he shed some weight yep. and uh, and in pretty good shape. I was tickled, think, because uh, last year or year before, I f- it felt like that he had a little bit of a, a hard time to uh, run away from collapsing pocket. And, uh, uh, the, but... In preseason included, he has not been who uh, we know of. He's been erratic. His, his, uh, I mean, well, in particular, uh, Bob, he's been erratic in his partnership with Antonio Brown, and that's the one thing I can't figure. What do you think is causing that? Well, I think that he has uh, basically got away from uh, concentrating, you know, playing with Brown. And he, he he's kind of like uh, got away from like going to Switzer, uh like uh, like Adam and, and uh, Brady, you know. It's like well, Switzer's too, too short, too white, and too slow, and his yards per catch is is too little. Up, uh, I, I don't know. Is he trying to spread the ball around too much? Is AB just not getting open? Ben, to be fair, has misfired on a lot of balls, in particular to AB. Want to hear a theory I have, Bob? Hmm. Now, now, and I haven't talked to Ben about this, and I rarely talk to Ben. Really, only when he's on the show or if I run into him at a Penguin game. It's not like when he lived next door, certainly. If I were Ben, I'd be sick of Antonio Brown. I'd be sick of all the drama, sick of all the commotion. Him not showing up for meetings might have put a stake in the heart of that displeasure. And I don't know how much that feeds into their disconnect, but let's not forget, during the Baltimore game, there were a couple times when each was on a different page, when Brown either quit a route or ran a wrong one, and another time where Ben uh, zigged when he should have zagged, and they pointedly did not talk on the sideline. What's that tell you? Well, that is a, that's the issue, because, uh, you know, especially when you, when you don't connect and you don't talk to each other, there's a problem here. I'll be honest, even though Ben's a quarterback and Bron's a great receiver, I don't know what motivates Ben to play when he's done what he's done and earned what he's earned to put up with the toxic twins, Bell and Bron. 
I wouldn't do it. I don't blame him if he does. The money certainly helps, but but I would hate to be Ben Roethlisberger from that standpoint, to have to deal with those two nimrods. Well, I, I have a little bit of a different uh, idea about this because uh, really when you don't have a threat of running, when you don't have a good running, stable running game, uh, you have uh, you basically have to mention. So uh, the other team, when they take the running aspect of your team, then all of a sudden everything becomes on Roethlisberger's shoulder. Uh, well, and not only that, too, when you're turned one-dimensional – and the defense doesn't have to worry about the run. It, it's just it's too easy to defend. It's it's too easy to think on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why uh, Craig Wolfley made a good point earlier, and I agree. It's not necessarily about how well you run the ball, although you do want to run it well. But you need to show more commitment than the Steelers have. Bob, thank you for the call. The calls are flowing in now. Like beer. Maybe wine. We got Jim Casey and Jay on hold. We'll get to them in just a moment. What about that Pens game last night? We'll recap some of the headlines from that. Not much defense, either way. Not much goaltending in either net. But 7-6 in overtime, that's good enough for me. It's always great to get two points. You can't do any better. They won't give you three. 105.9 X. And more. Proceeds benefit the Western PA chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation. Visit 961kiss.com to register. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark. Great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. Penguins caps last night. What an exciting game. Montreal visits PPG Paints Arena tomorrow. Penguins with the primo chance to jump off to 2 0. Having beaten the defending Stanley Cup champions, now coming up against uh, what's thought to be a weaker opponent, but it's too early to assume that, certainly. As I said, it shows open. Last night's game at PPG was the tribute to Charles Dickens. It was the best of games. It was the worst of games. A lot of goals. Not much defense. Not much goaltending. But it went back and forth, and for a game poorly played fundamentally, it had good rhythm. As I said, very entertaining to watch. I get such a kick out of the fact that uh, in the middle of this cluster schmaz of a game, Sid was only on the ice for one goal against. It was on the ice for four goals for, one of them being a power play goal. That was the game winner in overtime. Uh, Sid will never be rattled fundamentally. Both teams can go to the circus in any given game, Sid will be the one guy that covers inside the lines. And if there's another that fits that description, it's Jake Gensel, the coach's son, who had two goals last night and played a brilliant game. Uh, Chris Letang tied Paul Coffey for the most career points by a Penguin defenseman, 440. Congrats to Tanger for that. He got the game-winning goal in overtime as well, so a big night for number 58, despite a bit of a rough start. The new boards, we talked about that earlier, the new boards tortured Tanger. They're really bouncy because they give more. That's for player safety. They're really bouncy, and the puck speeds up when it gets rimmed. That came out kind of sexy, didn't it? 
And Tanger and Ole Matt in particular had trouble coping with that a couple times, but uh, it made the game that much more weird and interesting. Uh, the Penguins defense course struggled. Only Schultz played a consistent 30, uh, 60 minutes, rather. But a win's a win. And against those guys, because they're jerks, you'll take the win any way you can get it. By the way, I want to give a shout-out to my good friend Jen Bellano of the Penguins PR department, who I really do love. But uh, last night, I'm sitting at the table with her at the pregame meal. And she makes some remark about the Capitals being jerks. Because the Capitals PR guy sitting right there, I don't know who he is, but she wants to like tease him a little bit. But that goads me into saying, yeah, they screwed Barry Trotz in that uh, banner-raising ceremony. Didn't mention him, didn't show him on video. Well, it turns out the PR guy sitting right there, and he's the guy who put the video together in the whole banner-raising ceremony. And so he started lecturing me on on how it was the right thing to do. And I go, I go bro, it just wasn't the right thing to do. We never would have done it like that here. Let's just agree to disagree. So thanks, Jen. I mean, she helped me get Latang on the show and Sully, but I guess I had to pay a price. Uh, by the way, here's something, and, and you won't like this, you guys, but Henrik Zetterberg retired, and he dropped the puck last night at the Red Wings home opener, and he talked about playing against Sid because he played against Sid in the 08 and 09 Stanley Cup Finals. And he said, quote, he will go down as one of the best players to ever play the game. Obviously, we have a special bond together forever just because of that, unquote. What a bunch of bull steam that is. Henrik Zetterberg couldn't tie Crosby's skates. He's trying to put himself over to put himself in Sid's class by saying that. Sorry, Henrik, but I don't think so. You're just another pretty good guy that Crosby played against. Although, to be fair, you did beat him once in 08. Savor the flavor. Uh, here's a tweet from our buddy Chris Adamski from the Trib. Uh, James Conner said his Airy McDowell Sunday Night Football intro was taped last year, and it was just meant as a shout-out to his hometown. It wasn't in any way meant as a slight to Pitt, and he was annoyed that some took it that way. Well, that's a coincidence. I'm annoyed that you averaged like 1.2 yards per carry against Baltimore. So aren't we both annoyed? Dude, get a thicker skin. I mean, Pitt sucks out loud. Every other time you open your mouth, you're Pitt, 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 Pitt. Hail to Pitt. And then you do the Aerie McDowell intro, and maybe it was taped last year, but, you know, tough toenails. People interpreted it like they interpreted it. And given the timing, how could they not? These guys are so sensitive. The Steelers are way too sensitive for a 1-2-1 and team. And James Conner's way too sensitive for a guy who can't even fall forward to get the full length of his height on a lot of his carries. He's not a number one back, period. Not a number one back. Let's go to Jim in Washington, PA. Jim, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, uh, two things for you real quick. Uh, Eric Broussard, you mentioned how he looked comfortable. I think he uh, he looked really great on the second power play unit, especially when Latang was out there with him. Broussard looked very energetic. He played about 15 minutes, which is less than he used to when he was a top six with the Rangers in Columbus. 
But but that was a great game. He looked totally healthy, totally comfortable, totally dialed in. Great game for number 19 last night. Let's go to Jay on the road. Jay, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. How you doing? What up? Hey, uh, so even though there was a lot of non-defense played by either team last night, I'd have to say that it was still better than any NFL football game that I've seen this entire year. Well, I, I don't know about that. That depends on your preference for one sport or the other. But I always say, with hockey and soccer, you get constant action. With baseball and football, you just do not. And to me, that is the big difference between the games. And for me, it's the big reason I like hockey and soccer best of all. And I think that... Uh, Along with the lack of constant drama... In hockey, as opposed to the Steelers, I think that the, you hit the head, the nail right on the head there. Let's go to Max and Oakmont. Max, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mark. I said good day. Hey, can we uh, get Kegger back on the air? No, and now you're gone too. That probably was Kegger. How'd you like to be a guy named Kegger from Shaler? To be named Kegger would be bad enough. To be from Shaler would be bad enough. But Kager from Shaler, and I want to differentiate too. When I'm speaking of Shaler, I'm not talking about the school district, although the football team blows. When I speak of Shaler, I'm speaking about Shaler proper. I love Reserve Township, love Etna, love Millville. Remember the movie Clueless with Alicia Silverstone? And she was exactly what the title implied, Clueless. Shaler is the geographical version of that movie. Yes, clueless. 412-333-9939. Oh, another line from Tanger about uh, the, the new bouncy boards. Early in the game, the Penguins fired a couple shots wide, and the puck came right back out in front and was dangerous. And that's how the conversation about the boards got started. Somebody said to Tanger, he goes, it looked like you guys were playing the new boards pretty well and putting the puck back on front. Tanger goes, no, we had no idea about that. He goes, we just shoot wide. Tanger's the best guy. So funny. So funny. Come a long way uh, since I first met him. And, you know, what a guy, what a player. So glad he got, you know why I'm glad Tanger got that record? Because Tanger really respects Paul Coffey and Coff's a favorite of his from when he was growing up. And in that vein, joining me next Tuesday on the show to talk about Chris Letang will be the doctor himself. He'll be in Paul Coffey, who also has that same respect thing going for the Penguins 58. Let's go to Jesse in Leechburg. Jesse, you're on with Double M. Um, yeah, did, did you uh, see that Baltimore Steeler game, James Conner? Do you think, honestly, that he could play against any other dude i gotta cut you off this is excruciating goodbye that was just excruciating here's just a a, a user's guide to the show if you sound and talk like that guy never call never call not only this show but any show here's a tweet from someone called yinzer burner i don't know what the significance of that handle is but it's in reference to the uh tweet by brian billick which i posted on my page at the x website if the Indy Colts defense gets a turnover, 
They're down by 14 in the third quarter against New England. And they get a turnover, and they pose for like a group shot, like, you know, those those choreographed group portrait celebrations that we've seen. Yinzer Burner tweets, I forgot you're not allowed to have fun at all unless you're winning. I guess if you're losing, you're just supposed to mope around. It might be slightly excessive to celebrate in the end zone being down big, but who cares? They're enjoying it. Idiot, I care. A Colts fan would care. What would a Colts fan think? They're getting their ass whipped by New England. And they're celebrating a meaningless turnover, down 14 in the third quarter, like it's an off-Broadway production of Cats. That's just stupid. You know what? You're not allowed to have fun unless you're winning. And if you're losing, don't mope around. Try to get back in the game. And don't celebrate something that doesn't merit it. But you know what? That's millennials, soft as baby crap. Fun, fun, fun. Give us fun. We don't want to earn it. Give it to us. Fun, fun, fun. Until daddy takes the T-bird away. Ooh. Up next, going to talk to Bob McLaughlin. Wait, I want this guy's probably going to get me mad. Let's go to Joel in North Hills. Joel, you're on with Double M. That did get me mad. Bob McLaughlin up next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, huge fan, buddy. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. Still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. VX at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, what's your take on the uh, tweet posted by former Ravens coach Brian Billick? It's the Indianapolis defense, after getting a turnover in the third quarter, down by 14 against New England, and they're doing like the group portrait pose by way of elaborate celebration, even though they're getting crap kicked. And, of course, New England did go on to win handily. I think it summarizes... Why so many people find the NFL so annoying? Oh, I'm with you on this one, Mark. Um, I like Coach Billick a lot more now than I did when he was playing against or coaching against the Steelers. And as you were talking with that uh, that caller, just the last segment, I looked up some stuff reaction to it. This is Denzel Good. He's an offensive tackle for the Colts. In reply to Brian Billick's tweet, he writes, "Don't let people tell you not to celebrate. Blank life is short." And a football career even shorter. Celebrate everything. But as far as you, Coach Billick, I advise you to watch football elsewhere if you can't stomach it. Uh, hey, Denzel, a lot of people, including Colts fans, couldn't stomach that last night. Yeah, and Brian Billick is a Super Bowl winning coach. Denzel, whatever his name is, isn't a pimple on football's ass. Yeah, let's just And that, that's a part of the problem. A lot of the people perpetrating all this over-celebration at inappropriate times or losers, or non-entities. And people think I picked too much on Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been in the league 15 minutes, and he's in every commercial, every video game endorsement. And, you know, do that. Get your money, but your team stinks right now. And he just doesn't want to be quiet. A.B. never wants to be quiet. I'm telling you, when your team isn't very good, you know what could be a weapon in turning it around? Humility. And these guys have no humility. Not just the Steelers, the National Football League is lacking in humility. Yeah, and there's no priority. Priority here is to make a defensive play, make a stop. Do Who some- said that? That Denzel guy? What's he, a guard? Offensive tackle. Uh, dude, F off. You're only an offensive yeah, like, lineman. Like Nobody you gotta cares. Ask. Exactly. you got to ask. Plus, Celebrate being fat. 
I know I do. Russ, I don't. I, I mean, also, uh, right? I don't see anybody else from the from the team, you know, tweeting back at that. But yet he is, and he's incensed by it. Let's just say the reaction to his tweet underneath. You have no license to be incensed when you got your ass kicked on national TV. Exactly. None. Uh, Bob, I know you watched the Penguin game. What was your your take on that? Uh, <laughs> two points is two points, but I like my Charles Dickens line. It was the best of games. It was the worst of games. That applied to the game in general and to a lot of players in particular. But the Penguins just sometimes don't like to settle for winning. And I hate to pick on Gino because he might have been the team's best player last year, certainly the most productive. But that turnover on the oh. 6-5 goal that jump-started the Caps, unbelievable. What could he have been thinking? Just bang it off the boards. Yeah, um, he did a lot of good things last night. No question. Th- that he did not do well. I mean, there was actually a little spring in his step, Mark. I saw him putting the body down. You know, he was making, I mean, the effort was there last night, except on that play. And I think it's fair to criticize him on that play because, boy, it was such a bad giveaway. And you knew it was going to end up in the net because there was just nothing between him and Matt Murray. Um, and then, you know, to get another one right after that. Uh, to put the Caps back in the game. I like that they won it in overtime. They did a lot of good things last night. I love Broussard's play last night. Um, looks like a different player than when he got here first last season. Uh, and, and I think that there's a lot of good stuff to come from him. And I'm not bashing Gino. I'm just saying settle for right. winning the game. No, you mentioned one play, and I think that that's fair. You didn't t- say anything about his whole game or uh, uh, like any No, I mean, of- Tanger's in the same boat. He made some, I don't want to say bad plays, he struggled a bit early. The new boards really confused him. Uh, and they really confused Mata. Latang got over quicker than all he did. Yeah, but Latang also made some nice plays. I mean, the one thing about him skating out of the zone or getting it fast out of the zone, Mark, I mean, when he does it right, it's just a beauty to let, watch. Let, let me tell you, Bob, there are some people that jump all over me for this. I put him in a class with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and guys like that. And the reason his stats aren't as gaudy is because he doesn't need them to be as gaudy here in Pittsburgh. I think if Eric Carlson or Brent Burns or one of them big offensive defensemen played on a team with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, their production would be less. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be asked to do as much offensively. I mean, Tanger also benefits offensively, point-wise, by playing with those guys, but it's just he's not the guy. If he went somewhere and he was the guy, I I think he'd win more his trophies. No, that, that's fair. I mean, look at some of the things he did last night. And, Mark, if, if Chris Letang plays like he did last night throughout the season, the Pens are going to be okay. He did a lot of good things last night. Like you said, a couple of you know, a couple of errors, but it's the first game. He's feeling better. He looks better. I mean, just the eye test, he looked better last night. So hopefully good things ahead for 58. Well, and you hit the nail right on the head about Broussard. I thought he was brilliant. I oh. Very encouraged by that. Uh, I was somewhat encouraged by Jack Johnson. I thought he was okay. On a night when a lot of the defensemen weren't okay, he was okay. Imagine him scoring, though, on that, that late in the game where he was coming the right breakaway. down. The breakaway. Yeah, but he I, dumped it in the corner. He dumped it in the corner. He that, didn't even force a save. Right, that would have brought down the house. And I know, look, it, 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 it jumped a little bit right before it got to him and it was mishandled, um, but I liked his game last night also. Steeler fans, get ready to dial the phone. At 412-333-WXDX. Because what I bring up 30 seconds away is going to be something you will want to talk about and something that definitely should be talked about. I'm Mark Madden, 1059DX.